Well, if we know each other, uh, you will remember that a little over a year ago, I really hurt my back. Um, it was a combination of things that I won't get into, but after overdoing it with surfing and, and putting heat instead of ice, I went into the kitchen with a paper plate, something to heat up in the microwave, and I lifted the plate up to put it in the microwave, and I feel like a lightning bolt just whap right into my back, and I literally hit the ground on my knees, and no one was home, and I was like, what am I going to do? And so I, it was like a guy in basic training in the army. I'm kind of doing this, wiggling on the ground to get back into my bedroom, and I ended up in the emergency room, and after, an, an, I think it was an MRI, I discovered that I had three bulging discs that were pinching my femoral nerve, now, if you've ever had nerve pain, <laughs> you will know that it's probably some of the worst pain in the world. It's certainly the most pain that I've ever felt. And they tried to give me some frou-frou pill to make me feel better, and I was literally crying like a baby because I couldn't straighten my leg for the x-ray. And they had to put in an IV and give me the full dose of morphine just so I could straighten my leg to get into the MRI machine. And it was excruciating. And it put me out of commission for about six weeks. I'm, I'm grateful that I didn't have to have surgery, but I had to do some pretty painful physical therapy. And because I was laid up in bed, that meant that Emma had to do everything. Are there any moms here that know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Normally I help out with the chores around the house and I help out with the kids. And so if, if I go on a trip, Emma really misses the help that I provide. And if she goes on a trip, I really uh, you know, miss the help that she provides. And, and it's challenging to do that even for a few days, but we're talking about like four or five weeks where it was hard for me to even get up and walk to the bathroom without having excruciating pain. And so Emma had to do just about everything around the house in terms of the household chores, and she took care of the kids. And in addition to taking care of the kids, she also had to take care of me. So I became like our fifth kid. She made several trips to the store and to the bedroom to provide me with meals, snacks, drinks, medicine, ice packs, and she got a little bell and put it on the nightstand so that I could ring the bell if I needed anything. I mean, talking about top-notch service. And one day, this is hilarious, one day I was really bored, and all I could really do is lay in bed and watch Netflix, right? And so I watched two documentaries on food, one of which talked about how becoming a vegetarian helps you to recover from sporting injuries. So when Emma got home that day, I abruptly informed her that I was now a vegan. <laughs> and even though she was surprised because it came out of nowhere, and because even though she was already overwhelmed, instead of laughing at me and saying, well, you're on your own, buddy, she actually went to the grocery store and bought a bunch of vegan food and started cooking me special meals. This was an act of service that required a lot of sacrifice because our kids often won't eat what we eat. Sometimes they can't. Like we've got, our son is allergic to seafood, and so if we have fish, Emma has to cook a special meal. Um, and Evie, I tried to make her eat plantains. We had a real throwdown one night, and she ended up vomiting all over the floor. And I said, I'm not going to make you eat plantains anymore, right? But there are certain things the kids can't eat or won't eat that we eat. And so even during the normal course of our lives together, Emma is often making, or I am often making, 
one meal for us and another meal for them. And now that I'm vegan, she's not only cooking a special meal for the kids, sometimes two different meals for them, and a meal for me and a meal for herself. So there were some weeks she was cooking four different dinners. Now don't get me wrong, Emma's human, and so I did notice that she got a little irritated with me, sometimes a lot irritated with me during my time of recovery. But one thing that I love about Emma, and I'm not just saying this because she's my wife, if you know her, you know this to be true, she has a servant heart, and she often makes sacrifices to help others. And it leads to the question, why does she do this? Why does anybody do this? And in Emma's case, I know that there are a lot of reasons. You know, for example, I know that she loves me and doesn't like to see me in pain. Also, I'm sure she wanted me to follow the doctor's orders to recover as quickly as possible so that I could start to help with the kids and around the house again. And I also know Emma's personality, and I know that it makes her feel really, really good when she's helping other people. But I know that the most important reason why Emma is like this is because her heart and mind the way that she sees the world, the way that she makes decisions about good and bad and right and wrong, are deeply shaped, have been deeply shaped over a lifetime of following Jesus. They have been shaped over her whole life, her attitude, her actions, the way that she thinks has been shaped by the example and teachings of Jesus. So, Emma serves because Christ has been formed inside of her and because she pays attention to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, the nudgings that she gets to be more like Jesus so that she can experience abundant life. And all of this is true even when she's not fully aware of it and even when she has mixed motives as is the case with all of us. Friends, even a cursory reading of the gospel shows that Jesus lived a life of humble, self-sacrificial service. And it's amazing to me how people have taken Christianity and distorted it to the point to where the people that claim to be the biggest followers of Jesus have zero humility and are more interested in being served than serving. It drives me crazy because one of the most consistent messages of Jesus throughout the whole New Testament is that we are to be shaped in humility through self-sacrificial service to others. And he taught anyone who wanted to be his disciple. So if you want to follow me, you have to live the same kind of pattern that I live which is a pattern of service. And this is how you will experience the peace and the joy and the love that make life worth living, that make life good. And this is a really radical teaching when you think about it. We live in a culture that teaches the exact opposite, and this culture has in many ways co-opted Christianity. So that the people that are, that are almost idolized as, as, the, as the representatives of the church are the ones who are grasping for the most power. And then we wonder why young people look at those people and say, what they're doing and saying doesn't match what I see Jesus doing and saying. Maybe there's something wrong here. I don't want to have anything to do with it. 
We live in a culture that teaches us that if you want to be happy, and if you want to experience the good life, focus on yourself. Make enough money and gain enough influence so that other people will have to serve you. Think about how much time we spend trying to get other people to serve our needs. And when everyone else is giving you good service and you're getting what you want in life, when you have power and position, then, then you will finally be happy. And it's a lie. And many of us have tried to go down that road and we know it's a lie. In contrast, Jesus teaches that if you try to secure your life in this way, you will lose it. If you focus on yourself, if you focus on trying to get other people to serve you, if you focus on getting your own needs met and you being happy, you will not achieve that. Your life will go sideways. If you've experienced that, say amen. Really, guys? <laughs> Is, nobody's tried to be selfish and then figure out that doesn't work. If you've experienced that, say amen. Most of us have, right? But Jesus says, if you're willing to give yourself away in humble service to others, then you'll find happiness. You'll find joy. You'll find your life. He says, if you try to get happiness by focusing on yourself and having other people serve you, you will end up miserable. But if you stop focusing on yourself, what you want and what you need, and start paying attention and serving the needs of other people, then you will finally experience unspeakable joy. And we know that this is not only a teaching in Christianity. It's a, it's a teaching in almost all the major world religions, and even psychologists and philosophers tell us this. I've mentioned the book before, but there's a book written by one of my former professors, Archbishop Desmond Tutu, who wrote a book with the Dalai Lama called The Book of Joy. The principle stands, and it's one of the most consistent themes in the life and teachings of Jesus. But there's one story in the Gospel of John that makes this point in an especially powerful way. Right before Jesus was arrested, tried, convicted, and executed, he had a final meal with his friends. He knew what was coming, and he wanted to make sure that before he died, his disciples remembered what was most important. It's kind of like the final words of a dying person. And as we saw last Sunday, one of the main teachings happened around food. Using bread and wine, Jesus taught them the meaning of his death and the fulfillment of his mission. And today, I want to look at another important teaching that he gave at that same meal, which is instruction about service. It says in John chapter 13, beginning with verse 3, During supper... Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, I want you to note that Jesus is not acting out of a place of weakness and deficiency or humiliation. It says right out of the gate, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands. 
and that he had come from God and was going to God, he got up from the table, he took off his outer robe, and he tied a towel around himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was tied around him. Now, there are probably a lot of people here this morning and watching online who have heard this story several times, so it's easy to forget the magnitude of what's happening here. Do you know who Jesus is? Jesus is the enfleshment of God the Son. He is the one through whom the Father created the entire universe. The one through whom the Spirit and the Father work to sustain all of reality. Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Are you guys awake? Somebody say amen. Come on now. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the name at which every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. There is no one higher, no one with greater power and position. And even if you were in that room on that night and you didn't know that this is who Jesus was, you would still know that he was a respected and influential rabbi and teacher. He was a big deal. And in the ancient world, when you were a big deal, you don't wash no stinking feet. Are you awake? This was the job of the lowest ranking member in the household. It was the job of slaves and servants. And this makes sense when we realize that feet in the ancient world were one of the dirtiest places on the human body. People didn't have nail clippers on their bedside table. People didn't go and get pedicures during their lunch break. When I was preparing this, you know, the men will get this, the women might roll their eyes, but if you've seen the movie Dumb and Dumber, there's a scene where uh, uh, Jim Carrey's uh, character is getting ready to meet this girl and he goes to get a pedicure and they've got like a big sander and his nails are grown. That's the kind, of kind of image that I got when I was thinking about feet in the ancient world, right? So add to that that people often didn't wear shoes and nobody wore socks. And they lived in an agrarian society with lots of animals, making it hard not to step in some stuff, if you know what I'm talking about. We put all this together, we start to get an idea of how dirty people's feet could be. So nobody wanted the job of washing somebody else's dogs. Who would want to do that? And they probably wouldn't do it unless they felt like they had to. But not Jesus. After the Last Supper started, Jesus stopped eating. Maybe he put the turkey leg down and wiped his hands on his clothes, and he stood up, and he took off his shirt, and he grabbed the towel and put it around his waist, and he kneeled down like a slave in humble, loving service and washed 
those nasty, disgusting feet. And this is crazy. It's crazy. Jesus was the honored guest. <laughs> he was the most highly honored person present. He was the absolute last person in the house, probably the last person in town that should have been doing this lowly job. It violated all the rules. It crossed all the boundaries. And it made his disciples uncomfortable. When Jesus went to wash Peter's feet, he recoiled in horror, and he strongly objected, saying, Jesus, there ain't no way you're touching my feet. And we get it, right? I mean, imagine if you entered into some kind of contest, and the Queen of England came to your house for dinner, and then after the meal, she gets up and goes into the bathroom in the back of the house, you know, the bathroom that you don't have to clean before company comes over? And she gets down on her hands and knees and starts scrubbing your toilet. Would that make you uncomfortable? Well, this is probably how Peter felt when he said, you're not washing my feet, dude. <laughs> this ain't no way. And then Jesus says to him, unless you let me wash your feet, you have no part in me. Unless you let me wash your feet, you cannot be one of my disciples. To which Peter replied, well then, <laughs> don't just wash my feet, but wash my hands and my head too. Peter didn't know what Jesus knew. He didn't know that Jesus would be arrested that night and then later executed as a common criminal that Jesus would willingly allow himself to be stripped and beaten and humiliated to bring salvation to an undeserving world. That Jesus would lay down his crown and take up a cross so that we might be reconciled to God and have the gift of eternal life. To prepare Peter and the other disciples for these horrifying events and to make sure that they understood that these events did not derail his mission, but were the culmination and fulfillment of his mission, Jesus lays down his crown and picks up an apron. Again, this strange, weird, countercultural action is precisely what reveals the heart of God. If you want to know what God looks like, look at Jesus on his knees washing nasty feet. And he not only revealed the heart of God, he revealed how that very same night he would begin to accomplish God's great rescue mission of this world, that he would do it through self-sacrificial love. And it also gave his disciples, which includes us, an example of how to continue his mission after he's gone. Our scripture reading goes on to say, and it'll be printed on the screen here, after he had washed their feet, had put on his robe and returned to the table, he said to them, do you know what I've done to you? 
You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that's what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Very truly I tell you, servants are not greater than their masters, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Not think about them, not pray about them, not reflect on them. Do them. And Jesus' message is simple. I have served you. Now it is your turn to serve others. It's time for you to lay down your crown and pick up your apron. Because the greatest among you is the greatest servant. And it is by serving others that we are truly blessed and continue God's rescue mission of this world. If you want to find a surefire way to find a wolf in sheep's clothing, look to the person who's clawing for power. Because Jesus, the one who had all power, it says in Philippians 2, literally emptied himself, poured out all of his power and his position and his influence, poured out everything in such a way that God could take it and leverage it for the good of others. If you want to find a true follower of Jesus, look for the one who is humble. Look for the one who is kind. Look for the one who is feeding the hungry and clothing the naked and bringing hope to the depressed and freedom to the addict. Look for the people who are on their knees serving the people in this world that nobody else wants. And I can tell you, my friends, if you want this church to grow, I'm going to give you one prayer to pray. Are you ready? God, send us the people that nobody else wants. Will you start praying that with me today? Don't send us the people who are upset with their pastor at the Presbyterian church. <laughs> Don't send us the people who, you know, who already think they have it all figured out. Don't send us the people that are polished and have a lot of money and a lot of influence. You know, God, send us the people that nobody else wants because then that will create opportunities for us to serve them in humble love and become more like Jesus. And you know what will make a church grow faster than anything else? It's not money, it's not power, it's not influence. It's people looking at us and saying, oh my gosh, what are those crazy people doing? Why are they so nice? Why are they so kind? Why are they so loving? Why are they so forgiving? If you want young people to come back to this church, that's gotta be the number one thing. You gotta put up. Or, you know, putting it all together, when we begin with prayer, praying for our neighbor, when we listen without judgment, when we share meals as an act of love with no agenda, then we begin to develop authentic friendships with our neighbors. And this finally puts us in a position where we can begin to understand their needs. And knowing their needs 
Jesus calls us to humble and self-sacrificial service. And as we do this, not reluctantly and infrequently, but joyfully and consistently, we stand out as different, making people wonder, why are these people so selfless? In a world where everybody is focusing on themselves and clawing for power and wanting to be served and leveraging their tipping power to get people to act the way that they want them to act, why do these people not participate in that? Why have they raised the white flag and stepped out of that space and said, that's not who I'm going to be. I'm going to be like the one whose name I claim, Jesus. Why are these people so selfless? Why, when I ask for help, does she always say yes? Why is he willing to help me do things that nobody else wants to do? And when people begin to ask these kinds of questions, then, somebody say then, then we have the relational capacity and the opportunity to share part of what God has done for us to help them. But people don't care what you know until they know how much you care. And so you have to show them God's love first. And this idea of, of having the opportunity to share what God has done for you is gonna be the topic of our message next week. But today I wanna end with two questions. And I want to invite you to ponder these questions as we receive Holy Communion. And if you're watching online, you could even type, if you feel led, your response to these questions in the comments. Here are the two questions. Number one, who does God want you to serve this week? Is there anybody coming to mind? Is there someone in your life that needs to experience the love and the blessing of God, that needs to know that somebody cares about them, that they are not alone in this pandemic, in this horrible political climate, that they're not alone. Who in your life needs to feel the love of Jesus by a very simple act of humble service? Who is that person? And then the last question is, what do you need to lay down this morning to be more like Christ? What is your crown? Is it your time? Is it your pride? I'll be vulnerable here for a minute. You know, God's really, really working on my heart on one thing in particular. And that is disabusing me of the idea that I should always get my way. It's entitlement. Is your crown entitlement? Is your crown your convenience? This doesn't work into my schedule. Is it your inability to feel uncomfortable? Is your crown the desire to always feel like things are okay and I'm comfortable? And what would it look like, once you've figured out what is your crown, what would it look like to put 
that crown down. It's heavier than you think. What would it be like to put that crown down and pick up the apron of Jesus? Maybe just starting in your family by taking out the trash without complaining. What would it look like to put that crown down and to serve with an apron in the circle that you travel regarding your friends or in your workplace or just in your community? And these are great questions to ponder as we turn our attention to the celebration of Holy Communion where Jesus, this is the place where Jesus gives us that example. Hey everyone, this is Pastor Mark, and I want to thank you for listening today. I also want to thank First United Methodist Church of Cocoa Beach, the faith community I am honored to serve and that helps make this ministry possible. If you are being blessed by these messages, I invite you to support the mission of Jesus through the efforts of our church by making a donation. Simply go to our website, www.fumccb.com, and click on the link that says Give. I also hope that you will explore other parts of our website and connect to other ministries like online worship and Bible studies. If you feel more comfortable, you can also mail a donation to the church office at 3300 North Atlantic Avenue, Cocoa Beach, Florida, 32931. We sincerely appreciate your support as we try to help people who are struggling and need to hear good news. Again, thanks for tuning in today, and may God bless you.